1: Welcome into the DMBR Draft Pod. My name is Jake It's joined here with Henry Chisholm and Andre Simone. Justin is busy this week we will get him back next week uh busy show today guys a lot of stuff to cover dre you missed last week uh first we're going to want to get your ta- uh your quarterback points from last week that we missed and then we're going to talk uh dj mock 2.0 um a little bit of herbert cave on thibodeau theory stuff and then we are going to get into this year's tackle class a lot of stuff to get to so let's get into it dre your thoughts on the quarterbacks
2: yes so excited presented by DraftKings, right henry i got that right yep nailed it as always um where maybe these odds for today's class will be a guide love the pod last week actually listened to the whole thing which i didn't expect but two sessions we got it done um holy cow you guys had some spicy takes and i think um I think we diverge on a lot and definitely the senior bowl weighs heavy in my mind. Um, I most of all agree on your guys' corral takes. I think you were spot on with some of the comps. Um, I think the Johnny Manziel comp is intriguing, So I actually think Johnny Manziel's um, ability to throw on the run, off-platform, athleticism, and especially arm strength all ticked up higher which is kind of the problem with Corral. I think maybe it was Hank who really kind of framed how Corral is best. Um, and man, I, I, Malik Willis is such a tough at eval, but he's my top guy. I think the intermediate, intermediate to short medium stats are a little deceiving because so much of what he had to do was off script. Um, and off script, you're really just like, you're either surviving another day or you're bombing it. Um, and he's mostly dipping out. And I think there's some real conversations about like how special does his athleticism running ability tick up? How special is the arm? What I have become convinced of though, while I still think those are high end, probably not special tools of his is, um, man, his escapability his off platform stuff he's not just making off platform throws he's got that baseball ability of making a side arm throw while like halfway like falling to the ground you know and can really Mahomes. zing it mahomesy style um and and zing it deep off platform he's so inconsistent that as i was telling hank i've really changed in how i look at quarterbacks from any other position it's not so much we'll have so many conversations on these offensive tackles of really, um, you know, it's a, it's a cost value analysis of like, what's the ceiling, what's the floor, what's the more likely outcome, which is always going to be somewhere in the middle of that and kind of trying to do that um, cost analysis with quarterbacks because of something Henry came back to over and over. And the, Tough spot you are in if you find a good starting NFL quarterback who still justifies your pick anywhere in the top, whatever, but then you have to pay them 30 to 40 million a year. I would rather swing for the fences than have that high end, but not quite franchise quarterback. Um, So it's really changed how I look at it because of that. I'm really leaning towards the higher upside guys. Like Malik, one. Howell, two. And again, I see those guys as similar. Strong Pickett I see as very similar. I give Strong the edge because of the arm strength. Um, I think you guys are really spot on on a lot of stuff about Pickett. It's just when nothing ticks up. um, And look, guys like Cousins, guys like Brady have shown us that arm strength can be a, a trait that ticks up. I'm just not really convinced. I get such bad Teddy Bridgewater vibes who I freaking loved. Um, and man, I, Desmond Ritter's after them because I have such a bad taste in my mouth from the senior bowl, from the Alabama game, from not being able to anticipate. Um, and you guys really put it nicely that what he does best is throw high, let guys high, high ball it. And it reminds me of Dak. There are some things that remind me of Dak where it's like, hey, he doesn't tick special, but he ticks off a lot of boxes. Um, So, look, all these guys are going to be a second-round grade for me. And um, so even though there's those differences, they're all going to fall in the same tier, same grade.
1: Right. Very intriguing class. Um, I don't think there's really any consensus opinion when it comes to these guys. Um, Let's get into the mock. Hank, what's up? What are are your thoughts on this DJ mock?
0: Um, Let me pull that up real quick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i was listening to Dre talk about the quarterbacks
1: um it's all good uh for starters it's kind of chalk at the top still evan Neal, aiden hutchinson one two kyle hamilton at three uh equonu at four trevon walker at five and then we'll get to this Dude. after we kind of what's trevon
2: our... walker at five like already <laughs> the mock is like off and yeah. running that was well crazy
1: Let's go to six where there's Trevor Penning offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa. Um, It's, it's crazy. We'll get to the Broncos pick of Jermaine Johnson too. Um, Let's go around the table though. Most or biggest takeaway, I guess, from this new mock from DJ. Man, it's
2: how much this class is going to fluctuate. I get I got really strong 2013 flashbacks, a class yeah. we talk about a lot. Um, like, but the top pick was an way. offensive tackle, not in a good way. Um, in Eric Fisher, now Evan Neals jumped to like plus 150 to be the top pick. Um, the top 10 was dominated by offensive tackles. Uh, you know, the rise of Trayvon Walker, who has some D on Jordan to him. Like, uh, you can dream on the guy because he does everything well. But it's like, if you just ranked pure ability to get off the edge and get after the quarterback, is he top six in this class at that? Is he top eight? Hank's shaking his head.
0: Again, like, this is (laughs) not fair because I literally, like, an hour ago was watching Evan Neal versus Trayvon Walker, and that's not like the situation where you you're going Walker. to come away and saying good things about Trayvon Walker, <laughs> but watching that and then seeing him at number five, it's
2: just like what what the hell are we doing here? Right, like when you don't have the sixth best pass rush trait in the class and you're selected fifth overall, I, I I mean I'm not a mathematician, but that math doesn't line up to me. So that definitely stands out. I will take a victory lap for all of us on Drake London top 10. Yeah. Yep. Especially to the giants. Cause like he's the exact guy, Saquon Tooney, Evan Ingram. And I guess Daniel Jones all kind of need to like fill out that offense and final note. And I swear I will let you guys talk for more than 20 seconds. I'm just hyped <laughs> and missed you guys earlier this week. If the Broncos select an edge rusher, when Kayvon Thibodeau goes the very pick before <laughs> I'm out. I'm just done. Okay. Please respect <laughs> my choice and give me my space.
0: How the hell is Kayvon Thibodeau at number eight? I like, think we're
2: gonna we, get it. We might as well. Get we it we have plenty to talk
0: about with Kayvon Thibodeau later, but my goodness, like are we did we just stop watching? The what happened last year and the year before, the man is an animal. Like, is he number one or is Aiden Hutchins? Like, that's a conversation. Number eight, though, like, what, what are we doing?
1: Well, especially this is, when this you're, is not a good mock. It, it's interesting. We'll say that. Um, <laughs> a lot of interesting things. The corners I thought were pretty interesting too. Sauce Gardner at 10, uh, Trent McDuffie at 12, and then Derek Stingley at 14. Um and then uh the other guy, Gordon, I think is up here too. Uh yeah. Kyler Gordon at pick 23. So mm-hmm. just it's crazy. Devin Lloyd at 21. Uh, what is guys, what is happening?
2: Lots of general not being too hyped about Devin Lloyd lately, I'm noticing. Mm-hmm. Um which makes me sad. I hope that turns around. Um, yeah, I mean, geez. 10 through, 9 through, where's the madness stop? Let's say 16 are pretty intriguing. Like Devontae Wyatt, the guy who I've often said was, you know, the better interior pass rusher of the two Georgia defensive tackles, looked good at the senior bowl, wasn't otherworldly to me. He's consistently getting mocked in the top 20 as the top defensive tackle in the class. I mean, you mentioned Stingley cornerback three. Kenyon Green, 11th overall, ahead of any of these quarterbacks. Um, And it's not just the first quarterback selected at 18. It's quarterback-needy teams like the Eagles taking Devontae Wyatt over a quarterback, like the Vikings taking Trent McDuffie over a quarterback, like the Commanders taking Kenyon Green over a quarterback or the Broncos taking Jermaine Johnson guys who we were more likely to talk about as options for the Broncos early in the second round more so than um, you know oh is it Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett versus these dudes so stuff's changing quickly though I mean DJ's not doing this for funsies um, and then I mean mega surprises like boy Boye a the yeah. Minnesota edge rusher, Tyler Smith, who I'm sure we'll get into, the redshirt sophomore out of Tulsa, the left tackle. Um, man, it's all over the place. For sure. I like yeah. like
0: Trent McDuffie at number 12. Like he's a really good slot corner like little buzzy guy kind of like like an asante samuel or like uh uh who's the bucks one antoine winfield who plays a lot of safety but can go down there sometimes too
2: but that byron murphy
0: yeah but but, i mean she's these little quick guys where it's like okay yeah they're good at that and he says like it's the cleanest tape and it's like yeah of course it's the cleanest tape like that's that's just not a very important position anybody could go do that And, and i think he's one where it's like he looks really fast but then he goes and runs the 40 and you're like, well, his legs aren't that long, so of course he ran like a four-five or, or something, a four, <laughs> four or four-four-five or something like that. So I think that, that he's just kind of getting bumped up. Whereas, who's everybody would take Derek Stingley and the chance that he pans out over that. I think that there's just some stuff like that. And on the quarterbacks, like I think 18 for the first quarterbacks too late. But it's kind of like what we've been saying all along, though, right? Is you probably see one go like 11, 12. You see another maybe top 20, maybe a couple more sneak in the back end. And you wind up with those four, and that's changed a little bit since the senior bowl. People have gotten higher on him, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just tough to commit. And it kind of goes back to what Dre was saying earlier, where it's like you, you want to go after the guy who, who's the shot, a chance to actually be a really good quarterback. But in this class, it's like, well, the odds of those guys – it's not a great group of those guys,
2: I feel like.
1: Yeah. Also, uh,
2: if, if this is about ahead. buzz and stuff – um. It, I mean, I, I presume, right, like that's how you see a gajillion different names in the top 20 in the first round. It is not lined up with the buzz immediately in Mobile, which was becoming at least one quarterback will go before the Broncos pick at nine.
0: I feel like we kind of talked about this like a week or two ago, but it's kind of like – I feel like there's always – the Senior Bowl matters, of course, but right after the Senior Bowl, it gets weighted really heavily, and then it kind of like falls into this complete picture thing. So I do think that it's like, oh, this guy tore it up, and so for a couple of weeks people are in love with him, and then it's like, okay, but now it, there's there's this leveling out process, you know?
1: Yeah, um, it's it's just cyclical, isn't it? This draft yeah. cycle, it's, it's vicious. Um, also, real quick, uh, again, we're seeing the Pittsburgh Steelers here taking Malik Willis. Uh, they just don't like keeping secrets, I guess, on their first-round picks. Uh, just something to uh, kind of keep uh, in mind moving forward. Your thoughts real quickly on Jermaine Johnson. Um, if he's the Bronco at nine, what, what's the scene here?
0: Uh, traits that you like, right? Like, he did some good things at the same time, like – when you have sauce Gardner going right after when you have like Carl Aftis is still there Ojavos still there. And you're taking the guy who's what red shirt senior. So one of the older players in that class, it feels like maybe you're going potentially kind of a safe route. And, and I'm not sure in the top 10 that you want to be passing up on some of the guys, you know, like, like a Derek Stingley where it's like, well, did you just find another true number one pro bowl, all pro type of cornerback? And, and that would kind of be my, I'd be upset, but at the same time, like, Good football player. I, I don't – Big I, I Bradley vibes. I wouldn't riot.
1: Mm. Yeah, he's, he's really long. Uh, he's a guy from Georgia too. He was a Georgia transfer. Yep. So, uh, you know, you kind of wonder maybe if, you know, he has the advantage of seeing into the future. He sees the Adam Anderson situation. Does he stay at Georgia? Does he no kidding. still leave to go to Florida State? Uh, any thoughts on Jermaine real quick before we move on, Condra Yeah,
2: very Bradley Chubb-esque. Checks off a lot of boxes. Mostly he's going to be a power rusher, length and strength, uh, speed to power converter, that kind of guy. Growing on me a lot, though, I will admit, um, especially in even um, studying these offensive tackles. He's a guy who knows how to get by you. That um, pass rush arsenal has come along. I probably like him more hand in the ground than standing up. And, um, yeah, I agree. I, if, if I'm choosing between power rushers, though, in this class, I would prefer Karlaftis. If I'm choosing between pure edges, I would prefer Ojogbo because I think his bendiness and uh, first step are at, at a higher end, and I think there's more upside, more, um, more development to be had. And I think he also complements Bradley Chubb better, right? Opposite Chubb, he would be – he would be a better fit while I think maybe Carlaftis and Johnson um, overlap a little bit. And I might as well say it because uh, Justin isn't here, but to do that, especially ahead of Devin Lloyd would be quite disappointing because you do have this advantage with a linebacker like Lloyd with um, completely blanking old man style on the inside linebacker from Ohio State who's got some edge rush ability um, that they drafted last year.
0: Oh, Baron Browning?
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. Baron Browning. I think a Lloyd-Baron Browning combo where you can kind of, you know, mix and match, move guys around would be really intriguing. I mean, we were talking about Walker's pass rush trait. I will keep saying, I think Lloyd has a top three speed rush trait in this class um, and is not that far off the top two who are probably Kayvon Thibodeau. And Ojogbo. So um, that would be extremely disappointing. But I think what I take most from this mock is if, again, we are to, to kind of read into what DJ's hearing, it's a very fluid class, and it's a class with very few blue chippers. Mm-hmm. It's a class where the second round talents begin about at the end of the top ten.
1: Yeah, it's oh, uh, a very interesting stuff. We're very early in the process. It's yeah. only gonna get more interesting. Uh, moving on, I also, thought I found thing. this. Go Jermaine ahead. Johnson
0: is already twenty-three. It was really hard to find that, but he is already twenty-three.
1: So an older guy, yeah. Um, at nine, man, I don't know. That's it's interesting. Uh, let's hope we I don't know. have to see this scenario in real life. Um, moving on, I found this post on the NFL Draft subreddit. Um, that I thought was very interesting. It's from the user Handcuff uh, title. Is there are strong parallels between Kayvon Thibodeau and Justin Herbert? Um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just to kind of bullet point it, um, he has it broken down nicely. If you want to go find it and read the whole thing, it's worth a read. He said both Thibodeau and Herbert were extremely hyped prospects earlier in the career. Uh, KT, obviously the number one prospect. Herbert was kind of a phenom quarterback coming into college. Um, and then both Thibodeau and Herbert are both incredibly athletic and show the traits that NFL scouts desire. Duh. For both players, a late-blooming prospect really steals the draft hype after an incredible senior year. Uh, he uses Joe Burrow and Aiden Hutchinson as those comparisons there. During mock draft season, both players seemingly dropped a tier from where they had wow. usually been regarded. We already kind of got to that. And then uh, both Thibodeau and Herbert face similar criticisms as prospects – you know, going back to Herbert, you heard about how, was he an actual leader? You know, he's an introvert, all this kind of uh, draft nonsense, some stuff that we heard about Justin Fields last year, Thibodeau's kind of getting the same thing. Uh, You've got the quote-unquote off-field concerns when nothing can necessarily be named uh, on that topic, doesn't play hard, not a leader, Um, just interesting stuff that two kind of consensus number one prospects and both guys from Oregon actually are getting this treatment. Who wants to start?
0: I can. Um, Penny
1: Sewell a little bit too, right, Hank?
0: Yeah, for sure. Penny Sewell fits in there too. I, I mean, I don't know. I think that if we just say like, ah, the Oregon guys always get disrespected, then that it's, it's kind of like lazy in a lot of ways, but at the same time, like you do see those same similarities. And as I was saying before, like cave Thibodeau is just a freak. Like you look at him on the football field, and he is the biggest man on the field. And he's fast and he's strong and he gets around the edge and he puts up good numbers. And he had like a couple little nagging injury things, but it's football. And a lot of times, like that happens. That's just a thing that happens in the sport. I think that part of it, part of it isn't even just like an Oregon thing. It's a like people get bored of following the same prospects for a year and a half. And at some point they just dip. And I think Mm -hmm. uh, we'll talk about the combine next week before it happens, but Kayvon Thibodeau in the combine, I think he's going to put up monster numbers. Like he is just one of those freakish guys. And I got to not spend time with him, but just follow him around a little bit at Pac-12 media day, just freaking massive. Like he, he to me is just like a lock to be a pro bowl guy in the NFL because he has all those traits. Like he should be able to push around just about anybody. And I, I think that that part gets lost in the same way you look at Justin Herbert. I saw him at a pack 12 Media Day too. And he's another guy. You just look at him, you're like, that is a really big, strong man. Like, that is an NFL athlete right there. And I think that maybe that's the part that, that you lose because you say, yeah, well, they are playing against Washington State and, and not going up against like Georgia. It's different looking big against Sean Ryan than it is against. Evan Neal, who are two tackles who are going to get drafted. But it's – I don't know. I think that that's a lot of it. I think there's just boredom. I think that there's – maybe call it pactual bias if you want, but they're not wrong. They are going up against smaller guys. I, Kayvon Thibodeau is one of the best players in this draft.
2: Dre? Yeah, all from the crystal ball. Um, from crystal ball too, so you wonder what's going on. Yeah. Um, There And I mean, you know, Herbert definitely let you down as far as the winning the big games and uh, it's such a great, it's exactly what I mean when I say, um, you know, we're not judges at the Olympics uh, grading figure skating or uh, snowboarding tricks here. It's not, it's not about style points. It's not about wins. It's not about what you did. In college, it's about those tools that'll allow you to succeed in the pros. And that's where I think these evals are getting a little lost. And that's kind of what I think um, Henry's saying. And also, I mean, it's like the, the super duper highest end guys, not just in football, in all sports, rarely are coming from the blue blood tippy-top programs. They're usually late bloomers who kind of had to find their way around. Think Hakeem Olajuwon, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Josh Allen. Um, you know, Taryn Armstead was the best left tackle in the NFL for a long time. That's a dude, high-ass upside, second round. You know, Mahomes. Um, they're not necessarily coming from those super tippy-top, polished, Situations, um, so I don't know. It's an interesting one to bring up. It'll be real, and I mean that's the thing. That's where this class now you you start to doubt those blue chippers. Now we really don't know what we're doing, you know. Right. And the KT versus Aiden Hutchinson thing is really interesting, and I think is something you could talk about with Howell v. Pickett in the same conference as well. And it happens so often in the draft of if you just line up Hutchinson's best tape last year versus KT's best tape two years ago, it's a really close conversation. We are not getting into this BS, but because the lesser season for KT happened most recently, that's what's on people's minds and Hutchinson's amazing seasons. What's on people's minds when look last year, he was very disappointing. And I speak as someone who Adam ranked as a top 10 prospect coming into that year. And then had to scrap that. Um, And you know, you can Howell Pickett, same thing. You know, same conference. Howell was the star in the ACC a year ago. Now Pickett was. You know, so just line those tapes up at their best. Who's the best, and what are the circumstances that will allow these guys to re recreate their best? You know, that's what really matters. It's
1: it's just interesting because I mean, we've really seen Thibodeau's stock really fall and. For no reason of anything that I can find, no real substance to it. Because, I mean, you go back to the DJ Mock, we just talked about Hutchinson's at two, but for some reason, we got Thibodeau falling all the way down to the Falcons, and DJ doesn't even put a reason. It's just because he hasn't fallen. Um, it is kind of a little, you know, uh, in the comments of this post, it's, you know, they mentioned Ed Oliver and Rashawn Gary, also uh, some other guys along the defensive line who kind of had some questions they had to face that were. You could say unfair. Um, I'd say some of them were valid in those guys' cases. Um, But, you know, injuries are a part of the game, man. Like you said, uh, Hutchinson had to deal with it last year. He could have been a really good prospect coming out last year. Obviously came back and improved his stock. But it's just part of the game. These injuries happen. And just because, you know, Thibodeau really struggled with that ankle um, for all year it was, right? I mean, I don't think you could really say he was healthy, Um, you know, from September on. So it's just, I don't know. I just thought this was super interesting because they are both Oregon guys. Maybe that's the thing though. Maybe it is Oregon. Maybe they just don't actually have uh, the right people in place to kind of promote their top guys and they just get picked apart in the process. Maybe it is West coast bias. I don't know.
0: I think part of it is like Oregon nationally is seen as like, Oh, that's the good team in the, in the PAC 12, you know, that's, that's the Bama of the PAC 12 where you know they're not going to face a whole bunch of good competition. Like everybody next to Kayvon is going to be the best players in the conference as well. And, and some of that can kind of be misplaced. And again, yeah, when we're talking about a bad season, he had seven sacks in 10 games. And he did that yeah. while being the most hyped defensive player in the country. And, and so the, the defense that is hurt. paying attention to him. Everybody knows who Kayvon Thibodeau is in the college football world coming into the season. And he's maybe the only defender who could claim that. And so the fact that he's still got seven sacks. Yeah, he didn't put up 15 like a lot of us thought was possible. But if he did, then we'd be talking about him as a, you know, Chase Young type of prospect, Miles Garrett type of prospect. And guess what? He didn't do that. But he still had a really solid season despite injuries, despite not having all that much help around him and getting those double teams and all that sort of stuff. Like it's don't overthink this one. Just right. look at these players and he is very
2: clearly one of the ones that you want on your side. And just a reminder, last time he was fully healthy, absolutely dominated Elijah Vera Tucker, the top 15 (laughs) pick in what now sounds like was maybe the greatest draft ever, right? Compared to this shitty draft that we're talking about last year. Oh my God, nothing but Hall of Famers in the top 15. Well, Elijah Vera Tucker was drafted in the top 15, got punked, his lunch money stolen by Kayvon Thibodeau. Go watch that tape. Be an adult, and then tell me. Then tell me if he's not a top three prospect in this class.
0: And he single-handedly won the Pac-12 championship against the number five team in the country, like Von Miller style. Like there was just nothing that was happening in that game. He was the only thing that mattered in that game. And I, when you see that from a defensive player, it's just so rare. Again, Aiden Hutchinson does those same things, and so he's right up there too. But outside of those two. Like I, I don't know. We'll talk about Evan Neal in a second, but I, I do think that those two should be
2: the top two picks. And like yeah. Jake, don't doesn't Derek Stingley feel more like Ed Oliver, Rashawn Gary? Like right. dude. His we just talked about his production on a bad ankle, still playing. Like he could have totally shut it down. Guys made mm-hmm. guys normalized shutting it down last year with COVID. KT gets injured early in the season. Totally could have shut it down. Oregon was awful, not up to expectations at all. And shit, Cristobal left him at the end of the year anyways. You could have looked back now and been like, couldn't care less. Instead, he stays, plays, still produces.
1: That's an interesting proposition. What if he does opt out after the ankle injury in September? I mean, I it's tough to say, but honestly, I don't think we're having these types of conversations because I think his stock just kind of gets frozen at that point in time, and it's just if Micah Parsons can do can go through all that kind of stuff and all the questions he had, you know, where's he gonna play, blah, blah blah, and he still goes uh, near top ten, fringe top ten, I can't remember exactly where. Um, of course, we're talking one overall, the top ten here. it's pretty different, but still it's it's just weird to see this. We'll get into a lot more KT stuff moving forward. Do we want to take a break and then get into tackles?
0: Yeah, we do want to take a break and then get into tackles. Um, First of all, DraftKings Sportsbook, they've got an awesome promotion going right now. Uh, The way it works is you bet $1 on any NFL team to win their game, or sorry, NBA team, and you'll get $150 in free bets. Uh, Otherwise, you'd have to be betting like months and months and months in advance. Definitely NBA. Uh, They also have all sorts of things for existing customers, uh, whether you like the same game parlays, they offer a bunch of profit boosts, they have all sorts of those different Options And uh, we really the appreciate that. It. It's yeah. really easy to, to make money with DraftKings Sportsbook. And so that makes it a lot of fun. Um, you should download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR. Bet just $1 on any NBA team. You'll get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code DMVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
2: Incredible, Henry. Great, great work by you. I will say, just picking off a uh, piggybacking off of that, and I feel bad for you if you uh, fast-forwarded this read because this is where you get the, the meaty insights. Ooh. Evan Neal plus 120 to be the first overall pick on DraftKings. This episode, specifically breaking down the offensive tackles, is going to give you the best insights on how to play the odds at that first overall pick, where most likely we would think the Jacksonville Jaguars would go with an offensive tackle. Why would they go with an offensive tackle? Because last year they were so poor, people wondered what's going on with Urban Meyer. Is he drunk? What is happening? Potentially he was on the world's greatest hard Celtseys henry am oh, i right ranch rider my man we are all ranch riding up in this piece mm-hmm. that their stuff is phenomenal it's crispy it's delightful it's tasty it's uh it's healthy hank am i right it's healthy too which is the incredible thing right here well well i mean <laughs> i'm not saying healthy for you know, the soul yeah yeah healthy for the soul exactly exactly um They're Ranch Rider and uh, they really do great stuff and uh, some delicious stuff as well. I can't find more substantial details right now, Henry. So if you've got a code, a website, anything like that, I I would pass the ball to you.
0: Okay. Well, I will catch that ball and say that you can pick up your own Ranch Rider by visiting RanchRidersPirits.com. You'll find a location near you.
2: There you go. go. I'll pass
0: the ball back to Jake. (laughs)
1: <laughs> job done boys job done all right um <laughs> a tackle class this was fun um there's a lot of guys i watched about 12 dudes um, some intriguing day two guys of course uh but the top of the class let's start there who is your number one dre
2: i liked how you guys did the last episode starting from three do you want to do that threes? again yeah oh, Okay. Yeah. Three, two, one. all right and then we'll we can three, do then, uh, got? the rest. Um, you guys got to help me with all these names, but Echemekwunnu <laughs> is my third um, offensive tackle. Lots, some people's top overall offensive tackle. He's actually seven to one to be the first overall pick on DraftKings. Um, so much to love. First round grade as high a floor as anyone, um, like as twitched up and explosive, an offensive lineman prospect, as you will find, um, his concern is merely length and its height, like with any other um, prospect. And we talk about this all the time. We're merely talking about extra margins of air and that lack of height and length does take away some of his margin of error, um, especially with more twitched-up guys, being able to keep them off his chest, buying him that extra space and time. And you especially see it in him handling counter moves. Um, But I think he can definitely stick at tackle. I think he is extremely intriguing and scheme versatile because of how twitched up he is. He can move sideline to sideline, And he, you want him in space. You want to get him downhill. You want him to just like annihilate second and third level defenders and really make them feel you. Um, And as a guard, his floor is so high because as a guard, he's a tone setting ass kicker. Um, He's not a guy who's going to get you excited, but he is as safe a pick as there is in this draft.
0: Yeah. I, I think so. He's number three for me too. First of all, um, and I, I like that you brought up like the Twitch and all that stuff. I, I agree with like getting him out in space. I think that there might be, there might be a couple of guys in this class. i like better getting out in front of, of like the, the, the running back, whoever you're throwing the screen to any of that sort of stuff. But once he gets out there, I think he probably is the best in the class. Like he's just so mean. Like he's, he, he hits so hard. He puts guys on the ground constantly. And I yeah. do think that there's still plenty to clean up at this point you know yep. there's stuff like he'll whiff on blocks like there's a couple cut blocks where he just doesn't even touch anybody and you're just like hmm this <laughs> this that doesn't look great but I do think that a lot of that obviously you can just coach up he's, he's a young guy still and on top of that I again I like to make my list Broncos specific they they did a lot of zone blocking there and he was really 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 good at that the ability to like like when you're good, it feels like you can just push one hand on one guy and knock him over to the other guy, and then all of a sudden you're three steps up field and you're taking on a linebacker. And there's a lot of that sort of stuff with him where you like, I, I like the idea of Javante Williams running behind him. Um, my question would be, if, if he does wind up at the Broncos, do you put him at left tackle and bowls at right, or is Aquanu go to the right?
1: a good question um personally I think I like Iquano at left tackle I liked him so much there I had him at number one actually um I thought he was my favorite he was my favorite tackle um his hands man I think he has the most powerful punch uh that I saw he's just there's there's being violent as an offensive lineman and like we'll get to Trevor Penning at some point but when Trevor Penning blocks he's like he uses more like upper body strength and everything, whereas Ikonwu is just all hands. It's just so much power in the hands. Uh, yeah. Noticeable knockback from defenders when he gets his hands on them. The uh, the Florida State game I thought was really nice. Him and uh, Jermaine Johnson had an awesome yeah. battle, yeah. Uh, both going back and forth, both winning. Uh, Ikonwu, I think, like you said, he's a natural athlete and then just so built in the lower body, man, those thighs and that lower body, his ability to anchor, I thought was, it's almost effortless. Um, He kind of just absorbs contact um, and he's very young. I mean, he started as a true freshman in 2019, kind of earned a reputation as one of the best and nastiest offensive linemen moving forward from there, uh, declared eligible this year. And Look, I definitely – we'll get into the other guys, but I just think the combination of the nastiness that you have here, the size, the youth, uh, and the fact that he's only 21, 22 years old, the ceiling is just – it's it's high. There may be other guys with higher ceilings, but also that floor, man. I think you know exactly what you're getting with him. And in a class like this where we talked about it, you don't really have necessarily blue chippers. Uh, I think you just more so not want to screw up your top five, top ten pick and I think you ensure that with the con rule.
0: One more note, uh, Dre brought up the length. I, I had one of my notes that just says like he, he, he bails himself out with just how much pop there is in his hands. Like he'll yes. be, he'll be out of position It's yes. just like bang. And it's like, Oh, well it, it works out. And so I almost wonder if we're, we're talking about this margin for error and he does come up just a little bit short in terms of the arm length. Maybe, maybe that pop continues and it, he he's just a really big strong guy who can beat people up. Like part of me thinks he should just be like a heavyweight boxer or something. And when you can, when you have those sorts of traits, I agree. Like he's, he's a good
2: pick. I do. I I do still have a number three though. I love what, um, what Jake said about his hands. It's teach tape, like what it means to have pop in your hands. Um, and you know, we'll talk about guys like penning and Neil, who can just get on top of defenders with such ease, Iquanu uproots his defenders. Um, he just takes his, your base out of you because he is so much stronger in his lower half. Um, and yeah, I, I, I totally understand um, him being the top guy because when you get into athletic traits and technique, there's nothing he's not going to be able to do. I talked about the scheme versatility, but, you know, that twitched upness, those hands, I mean, those allow you to – he's really good handling power. I actually think this is a great class, handling power, honestly, a mm-hmm. lot of these dudes, and it's because it's a bigger class. We finally have some a big offensive tackle class, which gets me hyped. But then, you know, he's so twitched up um, and aggressive, he's going to really handle – those smaller guys as well. Um, and then, you know, as a run blocker, he's probably the best in the class. Like he's, mm-hmm. again, he's it's just easy push. It's just set and forget. Mm-hmm. And, and Henry talked about, you know, that he can be more compact in certain areas. You clean up some stuff.
1: Sky's the limit. Totally. Henry, he was your 3-2, t- right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then my number three, I had Charles Cross um, <clears throat> out of Mississippi State. I really, really enjoyed watching his film though. He was so mm-hmm. fun to watch. His hands um, in a different way than a His just ability to kind of mirror his hands and use his hands in pass yeah. protection. There's a rep in the Ole Miss game. Uh, oh, man, I don't have the quarter. It's 11.58 in the tape I watched. But there's this rep in the Ole Miss game where the edge gets his hands on him, and you can kind of see just the, the hand fighting and how intricate. It all happens in like a second and a half. But it, there's a lot going on in that second and a half. Cross comes out on top. Uh, I think he handles stunt blitzes, and like late rushers really well. He's got that football IQ. Um, you know, not we're gonna we're gonna get into a lot of these guys that are just like super physically gifted, and that's not really Charles Cross. He's 3'10", and he is long, uh, but he's not the anchor. Isn't very impressive. You know, he's a finesse tackle, right? I wouldn't use the word power to describe his game. I think in any way, I don't think I saw him pancake one guy um, in the three games I watched. Uh, good battles versus DeMarvin Layal in the Texas A&M game, too. Can, there's a lot to, that can come along in this game, but I think there's plenty to work there. I think of a team like the Bengals, man, that want to go five wide and empty a lot. You get a guy like Charles Cross that can just really pass, protect, and lock yeah. down uh, one side of the line. That's just what you're looking for.
2: Man, um, I, I honestly – these top three guys, I considered all three as the top offensive tackle. Yeah. Um, Charles is just crosses, just what I like in my offensive tackles. I like my offensive tackles smooth. The dude is smooth, like butter. It looks easy. He just steps on the field, handles Alabama's pass rushers. No problem. Handles Marvin Leal. No problem. You're right. Not much of a power element to his game, but does he handle power boy? Does he ever scheme versatile moves? Well, I think he could tick up in the run game a little bit, you know, as a run blocker, but I like a lot of what there is there. I think the talent's really high end, despite the size being purely average for the position. And uh, you know, with these guys being fairly closely debated, uh, this is all subject to change in a week because the measurements on these guys is going to be really impressive. Obviously top three dudes, we don't have measurements. I'm sure the guys we get into later, there's plenty of dudes from uh, Mobile who we do have measurements on. Cross, as crazy as it sounds, because, man, I mean, uh, Evan Neal and equipment Kwan who have insane upside, kind of feels like the highest upside of this group, right? So clean. He's wild. So yeah. clean, too. He's,
0: he's my number one. I, I'm not sure if that's where you were going, wow. to, right? It seems like you're... Nice. That. That but I he's my number,
2: number one. two, but I okay. contemplated it. And um, it's...
0: it's We'll get into Evan Neal. We don't need to dig in why he was number one instead of number two right now. But, again, it's all the things Dre said. Like, you watch him against Alabama, and it just shuts down Will Anderson. And there there wasn't a lot. I mean, again, you come out of that offense at Mississippi State where you just don't run the ball that much. And when you do run, like, we specifically didn't see many zone runs, which is a little bit disappointing. I think those are probably my biggest questions are just, like, what does he look like as a run blocker? But in a left tackle – give me the guy who can just shut down the opposing pass rushers. You don't have to worry about it and, you know, move bowls over the right tackle. And all of a sudden that right side of the line is, is a super, superstar sort of, of build, at least. Like you could see it really panning out on paper with all these young guys. If Moody pans, I, I really like Charles cross. I wish that we could have seen him run block more. I wish that so many of the passes that they threw uh, at Mississippi state weren't such quick passes like, it felt like there wasn't a lot of times where he was like, okay, go protect for three seconds. Go protect for four seconds. Um, but, again, he, he handled everything so well. I think he, he drops better than these other tackles. I think that yeah. the, the other ones have a tendency to – we'll talk about when Evan Neal gets there. But, but the way he, he steps back, builds that pocket, uh, it, it, it really is just so sharp. And I, that's why he's number one for
1: me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for mentioning that, that kick slide from Charles cross. That's definitely know. something I wrote down. He is so s- smooth as Dre said, but he also gets depth just super easily. So it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. um, three key
2: points on cross for me. Um, you know, one is if I'm spending a top 10 pick ninth overall on an offensive tackle, you, you just need to know most cases when you're investing in a pick like that, you're going to have a losing record, which means most games you're going to hit the fourth quarter. You're going to be down and your quarterback's probably going to end up throwing 35 plus passes for guys like Garrett Bowles coming into the league raw, man, that's a, that's a tough duty. That's a tough way to learn on the job for two, three years while you're trying to figure things out. Charles cross as Henry pointed out. He's got that down. He knows that Um, like he's been under the pirate, easy breezy. He he can, you can drop back 50 times. He's got that covered. No problem at all. He's, he's been there, done that. Um, What you said about the anchor, I think is interesting, Jake. um, I see what you mean, but I also think in some ways he, or his, he at least shows really good balance to me, both moving forward and moving backwards. And that includes his, anchor which feels like it's just like natural smooth hips you know it's um not going to get too repetitive here so um yeah i man you there's a lot to like there's a lot to yeah
1: like. just the way i saw it, i feel like you know if you have someone like a von miller i feel more comfortable with charles cross going against one of those guys those quick dudes yeah. that loves to use their hands kind of cross over and go um, you know a lot of counters and stuff like that. Cross is going to handle that really well. But, you know, you think of someone like Khalil Mack, I I get a little bit worried about Charles Cross because, uh, you know, Mack's going to get off the line. He's going to win with leverage, and he's going to win with power, and I just don't really think that's Cross's game.
2: Right, right. Khalil Mack getting into Charles Cross's chest. Scary proposition, no doubt.
1: Evan Neal, who wants to start?
2: (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Let me. I'll start yeah, this ahead. one. I don't, I don't He's think your I, one, oh, maybe. I, I he is my one. Okay. Um, I I can get it. I can get it. And I'll just say this: there is rarely have I seen a top offensive tackle prospect have as poor of an anchor as Evan Neal has. Um, there's just that balance and being able to set his hips and settle you in which is really poor and kind of astounding for someone who's in the 330 to 350 with like strong butt strong lower strong leg strong lower half that you can't just settle in and do that and i'm like Evan Neal was actually the guy I had to. I felt like it'd been the longest since I'd gone back to watch his tape of these top guys, so I watched a little more of him recently, and I kept being like, "Holy shit, is his anchor really bad?" And then at the end of the Auburn game, he allows like the worst sack, and I was like, "Dang, I, I was onto something there." Um, that's really the only complaint, though, and there is a general kind of balance concern, not always like as smooth and lined up. Kind of reaching forward, not always able to like get squared up and finish that second level block, right? He is, he's not even cl- like in space. He's just a, on a different planet from Iquanu, who's just like a stud. He's like not really that great, but you know what? He's strong as hell. His feet are smooth as ever. And probably the thing that stands out most is while he cannot always be lined up top half with bottom half footwork reaching a little balance those hands get on you good fucking luck you're not going anywhere baby evan neal has just i mean the the hands in this group are wow get me excited so there you go that's my one f-bomb for the episode um he just leans on people he gets on top of them he doesn't have to lean back and anchor you see it like three times in in four games because the entire time he's setting the tone he's leaning on you um i would not want to play this man for four quarters
0: yep and i would add i mean there was there was a clip that was going around of nick saban talking at some conference it wasn't this week but the clip was circulating this week where he's basically saying like you know what? I used to think before I went to the NFL that you've got to teach all these guys how to do all these different things. And then there was this cornerback who he couldn't back So we were just like, you know what? Don't back pedal. We're going to, you just do it this way. And it's figure out, I feel like after seeing that and then going through with Evan Neal, like that's the exact thing that happens here where it's like, I don't think Nick Saban is saying, this is how you play offensive tackle perfectly. It's like, Hey, what you're doing works. You just go do it. Like he, it feels like he doesn't even, Drop in pass protection. He's just right there, big at the line, and just bang, get you. And then you just don't go anywhere, which is valuable. But also, when I mean, we're talking about the Von Miller guys, can Von just get around him? Because there's there's a big part of me that thinks like Evan Neal is not like a pocket builder, you know? And, and on top of that, I, he in the running game, I expected a lot more from him, you know, right? Like six, seven, 350. Like you'd think he'd be a big bowling ball. Like there'd be big holes wherever he goes. And I just didn't see that and again, like the good prospect and all that, like the, 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 trace that he has and the, the, the fact that he was successful and the things that he did, like, that's all good. But I do have those questions where it's just like, how, what, what do you really contribute in the run game? Or are you just big? Um, in terms of getting into space? I agree. Like when I was talking about Iquanu in space, um, I was specifically thinking Evan Neal, I think does a better job getting into space. And maybe that's teaching that sort of stuff it's just when he gets there there isn't he isn't all that successful whereas ikuanu just beats the hell out of guys when he's out there the other thing i'll add though is like with with both of these guys with evan neal and charles cross just crazy young i mean evan neal turns uh or turned 21 in september and so it's like yeah, yeah you don't have that grown man strength guess what you're playing in the sec and You're you are 20 at the start of the season. Charles Cross, like I said, turned turned 21 in November, and it's the same thing where it's like, is he all that strong? Like, I don't know. But where's he going to be two, three years from now? I think both of those guys are going to have all of those things. Um, but but yeah, I mean that's the big takeaways. I worry about the speed guys just getting around Evan Neal. Um. I, I worry. I don't, I don't worry about him as a run blocker. I just expected him to be like a super plus run blocker, and I didn't see that.
1: Right. It's, I th- you guys pretty much nailed it, I think. Um, he's a very, I don't, it was interesting to watch him because, like you said, I, I knew that the run game is kind of where you're going to be wowed by Evan you Neal. Know, and there were plays, you know, where he just kind of leans on a guy, and all of a sudden he's 10 yards down the line For and out of the frame. For sure. Yeah. But um, there are a lot of what Dre said with the balance, um, yeah. especially in the run game, he will get way over his toes and he will just completely whiff. And I think a lot of that actually has to do with his size. It's kind of a double-edged sword being that big, but man, he, his leverage, he's not able to play with much leverage because of that size. You know, he's not, he's more so just a strength and bigger than you type of dude, which I mean, it's a great thing to have when you're three, fifty. 350, especially, as Hank said, only 20 years old. He's going to be 20 years old still on week nice. one, um, which is crazy. So that's kind of where – that's what makes this thing tough, right, is you kind of have – you do have to factor that in. He's going to be 20 years old. He's already six, seven, three, fifty. 350, what's he going to look like in three years, man, when he actually gets a, you know, he's in an NFL strength program. He's lifting weights throughout the year. He doesn't have to worry about classes. Football is his job, and he can focus on, uh, you know, just being the best player he can, nutrition, all that. I think you're really going to see a, a much improved player, and that's the thing is mm-hmm. right now I would definitely take – if I have to play a game tomorrow, I'm taking Cross and Daquanwu over Evan Neal. But, you know, two, three years down the line even – It'd be a lot closer, I think, which is what makes the scouting thing interesting. Um, I agree kind of with the anchor stuff. He just kind of absorbs power uh, when he has to. But if someone can really get his, their hands inside and on his chest and just create some push, yeah. it it doesn't look great. Um, that's about all I have on him, I think. Uh, you guys pretty much nailed it. He's, he's a good prospect. He's not a, a great player right now, but he's something that can really turn into something. You can easily
0: see him being the best tackle in the NFL.
1: Like
0: with with the size that he has, all that stuff. Like I just think that he has a bunch of upside.
2: That's a good good point to kind of end the Neil discussion on because I did wonder about that. I found myself watching him and being like, man, he's good. He's like, good, good. But to be Trent Williams, he's like – He's lacking the gear Equanu has athletically. And Ikuanu is lacking that size Trent Williams has, which tells you like what kind of otherworldly freak you need to be to, <clears throat> to be the best tackle in the NFL. I will say, maybe, maybe in three scouting reports on Evan Neal, which I think are really spot on, we're underrating his lateral mobility a little bit, which I do. As much as like that anchor and being able to sink back is problematic um, or like not a great trait of his, man, his lateral mobility is gangsta. And that's where I have more confidence in him being able to handle a guy like Vaughn, especially since he is that aggressor. He'll try to get his hands on you first. And as I said, once you, he gets his hands on you, um, you're in trouble. And like, he sometimes looks so... Smooth and good enough To where you forget He's 6'7 and 350 And then you almost knock him more Than you should for not moving well In space and stuff and you're like well He's 6'7 and 350 what do you expect Right um, So like he, he'll He's so good he'll deceive you Into not realizing the knocks He has are just natural Knocks because he's just a large Human being and like mm-hmm. he's that type Of offensive tackle
0: and with the body composition stuff, like, like he, that needs to change and it will change likely, but that it does, it doesn't turn him into like a project because he is a good tackle, but there is that piece of it where it's like, okay, how much fat can you take off and put the muscle on to replace it? And if you're very successful in doing that, then what is he athletically? Cause like I said, like, I like him in, I don't like him blocking in space. I like him getting out into space and, and right. I, I th- he has those traits. You could see him getting even better with that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean.
2: You think his body's con- sloppy? I, I thought it was a little sloppy. Up I'm curious with you guys. Think. or on the bottom? I thought up top. Huh, interesting. Yeah, it's, maybe I'll pull some pictures.
1: I'm, I mean, he's not chiseled. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get into, you know, <laughs> the bodybuilding judge type stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's he's there's two types of tackles we'll kind of get into it right there's the you know these guys that are just like freaks they're just built bigger than everyone and then there's just like the the big athletes right you think of Garrett Bowles a guy who's just like he wears six five and like 300 really really well um and it's he's not exactly that he's not you know he's not gonna wow you with his shirt off and stuff but he's just It's just absolutely massive. Uh, Anything else on these top three before we kind of go deeper? No. No? I
2: think they're good about any of them at nine. I'd say that. Right. And it's surprising that Cross, for example, getting mocked just outside the top 20 in a lot of these. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's weird.
1: Who wants to go with their four?
2: I can go. Um,
0: I I put Kenyon Green there. I know that, like, the tackle guard thing. Let's
1: go. Me one.
0: Oh, no way. But, yeah, I mean, first of all, the fact that he was playing all these positions, first of all, just props to him for that. What was it?
2: It was Texas A&M. Texas A&M, we should say that. 11th overall on uh, DJ's latest mock. Yeah, I mean,
0: he was right guard one week, right tackle the next week, left tackle the week after that. And you're just like, well, <laughs> this is, first of all, the versatility is something that that you love to see. Now, if, if you winds up being a first round draft pick, you probably think like, okay, here's your job, go do your job. Um, but in general, I mean, good zone blocker. And I think that's probably what separated him um, to me is just the ability to, to, to create really big holes. Um, I think that the big concern, obviously, it makes sense if you're questioning guard or tackles, just the speed rushes around the outside. I do feel like he might be giving up a little window right there where the bendy guys might be able to just get under him and get sacks. But for the most part, and it didn't, it didn't hurt him, um, and, and at least in the games that I saw. Um, pass protecting, I like the way he looks. Like I like the way he sets up. I like his anchor. I mean, he's a little bit squatty obviously for a tackle as well. Um, But if if you throw that part out and if it doesn't work out, it's just so easy to see him being one of the best pass protecting guards in the NFL, just because you don't have to worry about those edges. Um, And again, the zone blocking stands out, maybe not quite the, the biggest, but pretty solidly built um, I believe he was a, a, a very highly rated recruit as well. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. Nice, just a Florida, lot of like there.
2: For sure. Dre? He is also my fourth offensive tackle. He um, – his left tackle tape reminds me a lot of Rashawn Slater. His hmm. left tackle tape against Will Anderson specifically – Reminds me a lot of Rashawn Slater against Chase Young. Um, it's actually, boy, what a gift that that one Alabama game he's playing at left tackle. Right. As Henry mentioned, he is all over the place. Um, so actually, I, and I couldn't even tell the guy they did have playing left tackle a lot. Number five, Jariah Johnson. If he transferred to Tennessee, if he declared for the draft, but he's an intriguing name. To keep an eye on two in this tackle class But anyways, Kenyon Green Rashawn Slater-esque in some ways Slater, nastier, better finisher Probably more polished technique IQ-wise But very similar types I mean, we're, we're talking margins on a lot of the stuff I just mentioned And honestly, not that far off Iquanu either um, Body type, uh, deficiencies Which, of course, the biggest thing is going to be length um, it, again, I, I don't need to give the whole margin speech for the 20th time this year on this stupid pod. Um, no, it's the greatest pod. I kid. Um, and yeah, like again, it's Equanu, it's the same thing, like uh, great against power. He handles power really well, um, he handles length really well. Uh, and the floor is obviously extremely high because he projects as a very high end guard. His length is going to be key. We need to see Aquanu and him, what their length is going to be, or we're just going to have to talk about them on the guard episode as well.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of how I treat. It. I treated Kenyon Green as interior line, so I didn't really dig too deep into him uh, for this one. I'll say though, my number four, I had Trevor Penning, uh, offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa, yeah. absolute massive man, excellent size. Um, I feel. I kind of compared him to Garrett Bowles um, at times just because he is that road grader um, and very, very raw in uh, pass protection, but man, he's just so much bigger than Garrett Bowles. I don't know if I can even make that comparison anymore because uh, I'm trying to pull up the measurements here. Does anyone have them on hand for me? He's in the 6A3
2: plus range. And I think that comparison us not being like, Whoa, Jake, did you take your crazy pills today? Speaks to the type of athlete Penning is at his mammoth size.
1: Yeah. So uh, uh, here it is. Senior Bowl measurements measured in at six foot six, uh, 330, has 34 inch arms, uh, 34 and 6 eighths actually. So he's well over the threshold. Um, man he is aggressive, he wants to break people out there. And again, going back to Ikwon a bit, there's kind of different types of aggressive because Trevor Penning's aggressive is, it's a lot of like, he's trying to create leverage and literally it looks like he's just trying to break people. Whereas Equanwu is like in a fight with you. He's just gonna punch you, right? Um, so it's, that man, that nastiness is just, it's intriguing to work with at that size. Obviously he's very, very raw in some in some areas too. Um, you know, balance wise and kind of anchor wise, it's not all there yet. I think he really needs to get NFL coaching and that's the appeal to him, right? He's this kind of moldable piece of clay uh, that you can, you see an insanely high ceiling with Uh, the football intelligence and the kind of processing stuff on like blitzes and stunts was not really there. Um, You know, I'd like to see a bit more from that. seems like he kind of missed some just, I don't want to say easy blocks, but there were some blocks that he should have made that just weren't being made. Um, The thing though, I mean, Northern Iowa, lower level competition. Um, I watched uh, him versus Southern Illinois and it was like, he's just bigger and stronger than a lot of these dudes. So I couldn't really take anything from that, but then you go to the Iowa state game and that's really all you have to go off of besides the senior bowl. Um, And he just so mean Uh, out in space though, not the best, uh, kind of like what Hank said about Neil, I feel like he gets himself there, uh, but it's just finishing the block that it's not, it's it's just not happening a lot of time, a lot of whiffing, a lot of like head down type of stuff. Um, but I thought he has, I thought he has smooth enough feet to kind of develop all those areas as he goes along. Uh, just it's again, the ceiling thing with him is why I have him here.
0: Yeah, uh, he was, he was my number five too um and it's for basically the reasons you said like and the the big frustration was what you brought up which is just like yeah he's just bigger than this guy what do you expect to happen but then you look at him and you're like well he is six seven three twenty five so he's he's gonna be bigger than a lot of guys in the NFL sometimes too so you have that going for you and and in terms of like the the not picking up um the the stunts and those sorts of things the the difference in level of coaching between a power 5 offensive line coach and mm-hmm. the offensive line coach that he probably had not to just like call out whoever northern Iowa's was offensive line coaches is, it's, it's it's a big gap and i think that that's something that can be made up um and if if he had had been told and maybe this is comes from me covering the colorado buffaloes and hearing the stories about the offensive line coach you got fired halfway through the season and they had no idea what they were doing on stunts and were just totally lost and were frustrated and just getting cursed out every day because of it. And it does make me think like, what if you just told that guy how to do it the right way is, is that all it would take to fix some of that stuff? And on top of that, so I, I also have Bernard Ryman that was trying to decide between those two oh. the, the age, the age was the separator for me where Penning's only 22, which is, Pretty young considering he's coming from a small school. Typically those guys are pretty old. Like, How like it? Ryman,
2: who's 24. 24 and length. Length was a separator yeah. as well. Yeah. Ryman a little more natural on the anchor as well, a little more smoother, balance, feet, really intriguing. But the fact that pennings, even like in the realm, they're for these tall ass tackles, they are really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I think you guys broke them down perfectly, so I won't add to that. Separator um, for me though, you we can get into positions and everything. I feel pretty certain that if you put, you know, Penning against Will Anderson last season, he does not fare anywhere close to as well as Kenyon Green. Totally, right. I would not underestimate that one bit.
0: Other thing, Trevor Penning, like, what if he had gotten to not just be in like a Power Five strength program, but also just eat Power Five meals. And the, the difference in like what you are offered, I, I'm, I'm. I think he might be one who you could pack on another 15 pounds of muscle. I, I think that he could look. Oh, good. sure. Who is the tackle for uh, the Broncos a couple of years ago? Arizona guy, um, just massive. He, he was old as hell. As um, Arizona game.
1: State or Arizona? Uh,
0: no, not not school wise, but Cardinals. Oh. Um. Uh.
2: He, yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Jared. Jared. Belvedere. Oh yes.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but when you like looked at him and you're just like holy shit you're six foot eight you're chiseled I wonder if if Penning could kind of get into that sort of yeah. conversation probably not all the way there but I think his body can still improve quite a bit sure and not that it's good bad talk. now
1: good talk on the top guys we'll get to the other guys uh, we have another ad right
2: shade.
0: aren't we lucky to get to talk about Ripple. So what is Ripple? Ripple is a fast-acting dissolvable. It's clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Uh, It starts absorbing within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every time. I know that that's usually a complaint when it comes to eating your drugs, uh, that that sometimes the weed can be a little bit uh, up and down and whatever. This is a nice consistent with uh, Ripple. It makes uh, anything edible. It's flavorless. The, The powders are dissolvable. Um, it's actually a really cool product um, and it's the most convenient way to get the fastest THC. You just pour it on your tongue. If you want uh, awesome product, you can pick it up at Colorado's premier dispensary light Shade, where there's 10 and soon to be 11 on March 1st, convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. Uh, They're offering something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. They have a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And podcast listeners can get 25% off non-sale items with code DMVR. Go to LightShade.com, order something for pickup, use that code DMVR, or just go to a LightShade location near you.
1: Thank you, Hank. Last, um, love those. On guys. to number five. I had Ryman. I think Hank also said he had Ryman at five. Uh... Well, six.
2: So, uh, six. Okay. Yeah, that's right. We merely we, we and Jan. Our our top threes right. were different, and then four, five, six, same. You just omitted Kenyon Green, which. Mm-hmm. So did uh, Jimbo Fisher as his left tackle most. Okay, we got <laughs>
1: If you're going to put me in a group with Jimbo Fisher, I guess I'll take
2: it. Um... <laughs> I is it an insult? Is it a compliment? No one knows. Anymore.
0: I followed him around after that game for like five or ten minutes. Just the smallest little guy. I couldn't believe it. Like, he's just walking around and he's got like the six people and there's like sheriffs all around him. He was like, what the hell is this guy? Um,
1: uh, onto Bernard Ryman. Um. He I, he's like that Garrett Bowles build man. He wears six seven three zero five. He's a former tight end um, turned left tackle, and he just looks like he's not. He's definitely not the Iquannu or the Evan Neal yep. uh, body yep. type. He's a very different. Um, Hank mentioned the age. I think that has to be a big factor too, because you factor in the frame and the age. I don't know how much better it gets from here on out. I mean, of course, he's going to get into an NFL program, so it should. Uh, he shows good ability to bend. Um, he's quick in his kick step. Yeah. He's just—it's just not all there yet. The the leverage is, uh, is not all there. Um, the anchor is not something that I thought really stood out at all. Cool. Um, but he's got good confidence and ability moving up to the second level. I like how he blocks in space. Um, he he does how to use know how to use leverage um, in terms of like recovering. I think that's one of his best traits is being able to. Get out of this. Uh, get out of positions that put him in a disadvantage. Um, he's always playing square and under control. Um, he doesn't really show some nastiness, but he, uh, he has a little bit of power. Again, kind of. I wouldn't really use that word to describe his game, though. Um, it's just good enough, I think, in the run game. Any other thoughts on Bernard Ryman?
2: It sounds like you see a bigger gap between Penning and Ryman than Hank and I.
1: I do. I think that my top four guys, I think are dudes that you could really develop into what I see when I rank these tackles is purely left tackle. Um, Ryman. I don't necessarily see purely as a left tackle. I mean, he could be a guy that, you know, he could be a guy like a Lane Johnson, a guy that kind of, you know, from that same area that converted from a tight end was a little bit of a smaller tackle, but really kind of grew into it and grew into the position as a whole. Um, I just, I'd take the bet on the bigger guys, frankly. Interesting
2: because to me, I, I have four first round grades and that's where Kenyon green kind of separates himself. Cause you know, the, regardless as a guard or tackle, it's a first round grade for me, but it's a, it's a lower first round grade than the top three guys who we talked about. And the penning Grayman end of first beginning of the second in that range, always a tier that's very intriguing because it's some super high upside prospects. Um, Uh, See, I I saw a little more finishing from Raymond. I think I like the power a little more. And I think I might have some concerns that maybe Penning's a better right tackle as well, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. That that Lane Johnson might just be his best comp as well. Um, So intriguing. But I I think we covered both pretty well. I don't think you're off on the scouting report. I just see his finishing ability to handle power, anchor ticking up a little more so than you did from your eval um do Hank, do you...
0: the age is a big separator i, I that that's what stands sure, out to me, sure. where it's like he's 24 and i mean i think that's probably the cutoff is um Ryman in terms of starting tackles day one where it's like if, if you have him you've got to play him um cool. partly because he is 24 and it's like okay you're gonna sit through age 24 season and now you become a starter age 25. You learn on the job age 26. Now, now you're starting to get into being a good tackle. And then just this timeline is not something that I necessarily love. Um, but to me, it's most of the gap between penning and Ryman does just come from the fact that uh, penning is younger. And then on top of that, coming from a smaller school, I think that there's a lot more that you can clean up quickly, even if he is a, a little raw.
2: I mean, Those are, especially since they're such similar profiles, like big, raw, small school offensive tackles might project better at right tackle, more of that longer, former tight end build on both of these guys that filled out their shit. Penning's big. 330's big. Um you know, I'm, I'm with you. I, I disagree though. Just like you wouldn't start Raymond day one, you would not want to start petting day one. Would no. You? no, 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 no. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. I, it's just so hard Which, to take him in the first round though. If you're not going to,
0: not going to play him.
1: And, and again, Which like makes...
0: if, if he's 24 and he can't play right now, then what are you? It's not the bulls pick. At least it's not the bulls pick. Cause that one was uh, age issues to the absolute
2: extreme. Yeah. I mean, look, to me, it's not about, can we start him week one? It's can we pay him 10 mil a season year five? Once mm-hmm. that contract is up, you know, because he's a top 10 guy at his position.
1: Right, which makes the Trevor Penning, not to go back, back to the mock again from DJ, but the Trevor Penning at six overall when you don't really know if you have an immediate day one starter just makes it even more yeah. kind of puzzling. Okay, so we got about 10 minutes left. Who else do you guys like day two, day three on? Who are the guys that you're going to put near the back end of your big board here? Um,
2: you guys start and I'll, uh, I'll fill in the gaps.
1: I'll throw Sean sure. Ryan out um, there.
0: From UCLA, for he was a fun one to watch. He's another guy who I think was a pretty highly rated recruit. Um, I actually I never went back and looked at what he's listed at size wise, but he is pretty S- squatty out there. Like, six
1: five three twenty is what I had. That's from the school, I think, though, so I don't know. How yeah, I wonder
0: that if is. it's actually like six four, or like six six three and seven one of those because he does. Right. He maybe he just plays super low, and that's what it is. Um, but the the feet how quick his feet are like it's crazy he's flying around out there and that's why i mean again like he he might wind up being a guard and and if he's a guard then that that build makes a little bit more sense the the ability to pull makes a little more sense for that reason like is he necessarily a a fit with the broncos and maybe maybe not but i do i do like a lot of what i see there um let me just get back this note make sure i'm not missing anything fear quick Oh, very strong. Obviously that comes with just being stout. Um, yeah, that mostly covers it.
1: If you see, squ- go ahead. Jake. Oh, I was just gonna say he, I don't know if the link's quite there with him. That was my yeah. hangup. And yeah. I, and so I kind of saw him as a guard. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, late first round buzz earlier in the season when UCLA was kind of kicking ass with that power running game and kind of figuring things out, ranked in the top 20, what have you, um, settled down a little. And yeah, there's that conversation, but you know, Zone scheme, okay. We can start talking about him at tackle a little more for sure. Um,
1: go ahead. I've got, I've got Braxton Jones out of Southern Utah. Um, did you guys watch this guy? I didn't. Watch. I haven't
2: get into him yet. No, tell us all. So,
1: man, I of course you turn on the tape. It's Southern Utah, which you know it is what it is, man. Um, I watched, uh, sorry, not quite prepared here. Let me get the games that he. Uh, so I saw him versus San Jose State and versus Arizona State, which for guys guy Southern Utah, that's pretty good competition. Um, and I thought he appeared, He looked at the bill. I mean, he fit in playing against both those teams. He, his hands too, man. He's got vice grips for hands. 36-inch arms, biggest arms measured at the Senior that's Bowl. Crazy. I know that's not the end-all, be-all, um, but. but I thought that was very intriguing. Um, like I said, vice grips for hands. It I felt like to me, once he got his hands on you, you weren't going anywhere. Uh very smooth mover, I thought, under control. What's
0: that? You can reach out like that. That's gonna
1: be so easy, too. Exactly. So, I mean, I went and actually looked at the list of guys who had like 35, 36 inch arms, and it's it's a very mixed bag. So I, I it sure. doesn't really mean <laughs> anything. Right. Um plays with good leverage. He's six seven three or sorry, this is the wrong number, six five three oh five. Um, but he looks big at that number. So uh, what did the senior bowl had him at? They had him at six five three zero six. So he just wears it well. Uh, a guy that I'm very intrigued by.
0: Yeah, I think, especially when you're talking about later round guys, it's like, just, just give a reason to draft him. And 36-inch arms is a, is a reason to draft somebody. And I think, especially for the FCS guys, that can be the challenging part. Is like, what, what, what is your
1: strength? Um, A guy that maybe you guys did watch Andrew Stober, though, out of Michigan, I thought was a fun watch. Um, You know, he's not going to blow you away physically. He's not the top prospect that a lot of these guys are that we talked about. He's just a good sound tackle. I think he can contribute in the run game. He does have an element of power. Um, I like his his mental side of the game. He really processes stunts um, and is able to process a lot of moving parts really quickly. Um, Go ahead.
2: Both look solid to me. Stauber is a guy I I feel good about, especially if you could get him in day three. I've seen a lot of kind of big ten tackles. Look, the traits might not have you uh intrigued, but then they turn out to be really solid pros. So
1: well, who's um, the the Michigan guy a couple of years ago that uh the Patriots drafted? The right tackle, um Michael on when you yep. Yep, yep. I
2: was thinking of a. Uh, haverstein who came out of oh god Mm -hmm. indiana uh like many years back now um yeah he's a solid pro i like him kind of like i like sean ryan um i'm just gonna rattle off my two second round grades are jamari salier the Mm -hmm. left tackle out of georgia who some see as guard you see that that's probably where i yeah um stand out most is a lot of the guard guys. I'm just putting at tackle until proven otherwise measurements were good enough at the combine. And man, you watch that Georgia tape at times. And there are moments where I think to myself, why draft Iquanu at nine, where you can get Salier at 40. Now the senior bowl wasn't that great, but he's not built to be in one-on-one Pass blocking drills at the senior bowl. That's not his game. If he's an Iquanu type, right? Um, but the floor is high. I think he's an ass kicker. I think he can do a lot and be a tone setter for you. I actually think he has got a lot of tools. Abraham Lucas, a guy who's been on my radar for years. Um, really, really solid senior bowl. Really good length. Solid pass protector. Gonna handle strength well as well. So, um, just like a safe dude, left or right. Um, can't go wrong with either of those.
0: I didn't watch just cause I was thinking of him as a, as a guard. Um, but I do really, really, really like him, even though I haven't gone back and double checked that
1: to go back to Lucas real quick. I thought he battled, uh, KT very well. He, he held his own against him. Um, you can kind of see the difference in traits though. I think KT kind of overpowered him in terms of well power and quickness at times. Um, but otherwise it was a very good battle.
0: Yeah, definitely. Former defensive end too. Um, I'm not sure if he ever played defensive end at Washington State. They might have flipped him right away, but I do know that he was that sort of athlete, and because of that, you wonder if there's still that's, some
2: growth. That's a big boy. Um, speaking of converted or guard tackle debates, I was really, and we did get into this on DJ Mock, Tyler Smith out of Tulsa could not yeah. believe he was in there. Um I put his tape on strong arms. He might have long arms too. He finishes dudes. He's got some nastiness to him. He's an athlete for sure. Man, do I have some length concerns. Man, do I have like uh, ability to handle power. He feels more like a zone blocking guard to me than a first round left tackle. But they had one hell of a schedule. They he faced the Houston front, which was like mm-hmm. badass. Um, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and there might be an even bigger blue blood than all of those. So, I just watched him in against Houston, I haven't been able to dig in yet. Maybe in the guard episode, I can talk about him more. But, really shocked with where he was ranked.
1: They played um, Ohio State too.
2: Ohio State, there you go and intrigued to just jump in and watch him against some of this high-end competition, because this was not the first time he was put on my radar, but the two times I've kind of checked him out, it's like, what am I missing? This dude looks like a third round guard to me, not a first round left tackle.
1: Um, I, I said it when we talked senior, bowl, but Chris Paul, the tackle, um, yes. kind of guard for them. He was another guy that really intrigued me there. I thought he showed out nicely. Um, so both those Tulsa guys are dudes that I would definitely throw on the board, um, yeah. kind of edge of day two, day three. Anything else before we get out of here, boys?
0: Yeah. I'll throw uh, uh, we haven't hit Darian Kennard yet uh, from Kentucky. That's yeah. just a huge man. That's like uh, Yeah. he reminds me of like just like a heavyweight UFC fighter or just like, he's just out there just like brawling with people. And because of that, like the little grabby can get his arm wrapped around guys, that sort of stuff but just so big, so strong and like, not, I mean, obviously a good football player too. It's not like he's out there just doing nonsense, but I do think that like he was poorly coached or didn't respond to coach something like that, because there were just some things that didn't line up, but you coach some of that out of him. It's just, he stands out when you watch him. And I think that that's, that's always fun with offensive linemen. When you get somebody just like you are a massive house of a man and you are strong and you are mean and you look like you should be in the octagon if you can coach him up to just be a, a good right tackle, I think he could be he could be a freak. And the other one I have, uh, Nick Petit Frere from uh, from Ohio State. Uh, he was another one. I think he was the number one tackle in the recruiting class, whatever, three years ago. Uh, but but I, I think three years starter as well um, at left tackle. Maybe only two. I thought it was three. Uh, he was winning like team MVP awards for games. Like, he was player of the game at Ohio State as a tackle, so that kind of just goes to show what they think of him. Um, Big big open holes uh, in the running game in particular where he's just, like, collapsing the whole line when they're running zone stuff, starting on the left tackle and just, like, the entire defensive line is starting where the center was initially, and his running back's flying free behind him. Um, Got beat up a little bit by Aiden Hutchinson, but when we're talking about second, third, fourth-round guys, whatever – Right. You can't you can't ask him to be stopping Aiden Hutchinson.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. He was intriguing. I again, like you said, I liked his power. I thought that was his best trait. He was really yeah. able to kind of wash down the line. Uh, Dre, anything final here?
2: Uh, Petit Frier, the the scouting report for me reads very much like he's a guy who if I was seeing him in a camp, he totally would be the number one recruit in the country. Makes um sense. lower body agility and flexibility massive concerns and i hate that he never really had to play hand in the ground i just don't Mm -hmm. see the knee bend at all um and in pass pro that's a real concern aside from that though power size um feet i don't think are bad length um you know and in the modern nfl how long do you have to pass pro for
0: true before it breaks down he's one of those young guys too and then, yeah. like you said, like he's he's also one where it's like Von Miller. Does he just torch him around the edge,
2: like potentially? Sure. Yeah. Is it Rashid Walker, left tackle out of Penn State? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boxy, but like the athleticism, like all the traits aside from the length. Um, so intriguing. I mean, you're you're ten to twelve deep with guys who you can draft, try out, tackle, left or right for a couple years, and at worst, they've got a decent fallback plan. As a guard, that is one thing that scares me about Penning and Raymond. I'm not sure I see much guard translation for either of those guys. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of wraps it right there.
0: So, follow Lele hmm. out real quick. I feel like we, yeah. we got at least bring him up. Dan like, from Minnesota, like six foot ten, whatever, 400 pounds. Yeah, um, I mean, he basically does what you expect, maybe a little bit more mobile than you expect, but I came into it knowing that he was kind of an athlete. Downhill
2: in space, right? Exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. But again, just like a big people mover. You wonder maybe just a little bit about the the pure speed edge rushers. Like he's he's probably a right tackle, not a left tackle. Um, but again, like second third round. That's a that'd be that'd be a fun pick.
1: Uh, his senior bowl kind of worried me a bit. Um, he's very interesting though. We'll see. All righty, guys. We'll uh go ahead, Dre.
2: Every time I try to buy into Philale, I, I just can't, man. Yeah. So, it, it's
1: tough to completely buy in on him. He's I a
2: non football football athlete, right? He's gone the <laughs> other way, though. He's not the five, six hundred and sixty five pound guy with track speed. Yeah. He's oh. just too big. Like Von Miller can yeah. just like go in circles around him like your dog at home who gets too excited when you come. Like <laughs> uh, he just doesn't have the band for, for the elites of the elites. I don't know how it's going to work, man. He yeah.
1: And, and just far too big to play guard too, I think. So it's yeah. it's just one of those things where exactly does he fit in? It does kind of feel but, like all right, guys.
0: you see the traits and you're just like, Oh yeah. I mean, but then it's just like, yeah, it doesn't really work. This is still football at the end of the day. We do have a question. Um, it oh, might be let's one- get to it. It's okay.
1: We
0: we can't answer it, but let me just remind you guys. It's a, it's a Caleb Ellaby question. Can the Broncos develop Caleb Ellaby? I don't think any of us have strong takes right now, but uh, come back next week with Caleb Ellaby thoughts.
1: Yes, we have a big week coming up next week. Um, You'll see a lot from us uh, moving forward here. Uh, Thank you, Dre. Thank you, Henry. Uh, We missed you, Justin. Uh, Good talking the big guys with you all. Thank you. DraftKings for presenting the show. We will talk to you all next week. Take care.